I'm a fun guy. Uh, obviously, I love the game of basketball. Um, I mean, it's just more question you have to ask me um, in order for me to tell you about myself. I just can't give you a whole spiel. I don't even know where you're sitting at. <laughs> Welcome back, ladies and gents. Mr. Monson Flake here, alongside me as always, Hayden Low. I'm pretty far from you. We're it, like six feet now. Uh, yeah, gotta keep post COVID you know, distance. You know, <laughs> habits. Here we go. Already breaking our own rules, oh, no, um, but we're not going to talk about what the rules are. It doesn't even matter. Um, we have a really awesome episode today coming up. We have, and we are blessed with the presence of my good friend Brennan Creer. Let's just give him a quick little round of applause, Brennan. Woo! Pleasure. Um, right before we introduce Brennan, I will just recap last week's episode. Hayden was gone, and he has returned from Canada. And Hayden, it was a wonderful trip, I've heard. Yeah, it was wonderful. It was, it was very fun. What, yeah. do, what do you want to know? I want to know. Tell us about Stampede, is what I want to know. Yeah, so I'm from Calgary, and so every year they do the Calgary Stampede. Mm. Have you heard of it at all? No. It's huge. Like... There was one day, the way, I think it was the day that we went, there was 160,000 people that went into the grounds that day. Yeah. So I like came in, hung out, and did everything. Went to the rodeo, and people come from all over the United States, um, a couple people from Europe, every once in a while come as well, to like participate in the rodeo, and they're very selective on who they pick, so they're like the best of the best. It is ridiculous, and they hand out tens of thousands of dollars to the winners and stuff. It's that's dope. It is hype, and they call it the greatest outdoor show on earth. Well, it looked lit. It huge. looked lit. Yeah, it's super fun. Like concert mixed with all the things. Yeah, it looked freaking lit. Yeah, I'm about Dean that. Dean Brody came, sang a little bit for us. It was yeah. cute. I was actually supposed to be there, Brennan, but I had to stay because this month my numbers were lacking at work. <laughs> so I was like, ah, <laughs> fine, I'll stay, uh, which sucks, but it's okay. It I'm is what it is. You. Yeah, I assume so. I mean, probably not as much fun. <laughs> You're right, more. <laughs> don't, don't laugh, don't encourage it. Don't, don't encourage such behavior. Um, okay, sweet. So glad that Hayden's back. We have a good couple of, the next couple of weeks is going to be really good. We have Brennan today. Um, next week, we're going to have Dinez, you know the man, my barber, his father is going to be on discussing um, a lot of stuff, but discussing the native reserves that he was living on as a boy and just his whole experience being Navajo, just really cool. And then next week, another good friend, and he's going to talk to us about overcoming, uh, he lost his wife to cancer, and so it was a really, really cool experience. So, a lot of good things to look forward to. Good lineup. Great lineup, stellar lineup, and starting today with, with, with one of the goats himself, <laughs> Um, I'll introduce Brennan here, and we'll just jump right into it. Brennan is the co-founder and CEO of the Athletes Corner. He is a member and contributor to the Forbes Councils and a tech sales and marketing leader. Um, he's married to his wife, Katie, five years ago, and they have a two-year-old daughter named Riley. Right? Is it a daughter? Correct. Okay, I'll just make sure. You know, there's some <laughs> Rileys that are dudes, for sure, for sure. Um, <laughs> two-year-old daughter named Riley and a dog named Mango. Very appreciative. Good name. Um, he's Thank originally you. from. <laughs> that is a good name, actually. Kind of fun. Um, originally from Washington State, but also lived in Hawaii, Arizona, and now the GOAT, Utah. Um, loves spending time with family and friends, goes to the beach, fires up the Traeger from time to time. 
<laughs> watches sports, and even laces up the Nikes himself. Wow. <laughs> so, Brendan, what a freaking career. Wow. <laughs> Pulls out the Traeger. Yeah. You've spent the money on it. You're like, i got to use gotta it. got to use it. I got love to. a Traeger. I'm actually right. a, I'm a meats kind of guy. Are you? I am very much. You like I, Arby's? You have the meats? <laughs> the, the Monson. <laughs> He's got the place. meats. <laughs> yeah, hey, you don't. can expect Ar- Arby's and Monson to be united. Arby's right? only customer, Monson Flake. <laughs> I was going to say, that's, that's gross. <laughs> and that's why, that's why I've been having stomach issues the last two days. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Sorry, Arby's, we love you. Um, if, you wanna, if you want if you want to sponsor the video, you can, but please don't. We, yeah, just yeah, never mind. We're just gonna skip we over don't that. Want free food. In fact, <laughs> while we're on this, I went to Arby's. Um, it's been a minute. It's like a year ago. Still having stomach <laughs> Yeah, probably exactly. I went to Arby's like a year ago, and we're like. Oh, Arby's isn't good. Let's just go anyway. You know, curly fries for some reason sound nice. Today. No, but the curly fries are good. Okay, we'll I'll give them the curly fries. D- depends though. It's like one in every like five because. What? Well, if you go to the one down by freaking on Bulldog Boulevard. No, 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 no. You can't go. Crusty. That's, like, that's dumpster diving. That is right? du- yeah. For, so we go to that one and pull up to the window. Obviously, there's nobody in the line. <laughs> so I pull up to the window. Place my order and the lady and I get a message back that just says we are short on staff. We can't help you today. Is it 2 o'clock in the afternoon? <laughs> this is 2 in the afternoon. I was like, well, maybe you guys didn't suck. You'd have people out work there. Look at Chick-fil-A. Come on. Why do people suck? <laughs> Anywho, so that's the thing. Sorry, getting distracted. But uh, <laughs> back, to, back to the main things of this podcast. Brennan Creer, I have a lot of questions. Um, and starting, I'm going to start a little bit ahead of what I actually wanted to. I kind of want to dive in a little bit about just your background I mean, I know you, but I don't, like, know you, you know? And so I kind of want to get to know you. Cool. Um, but in that process, I wanted to ask what it means to even be on the Forbes Council. Like, what is that? Exactly? It's a great question. Yeah, it started, like, when I was probably, like, your age, I had a big goal to be, like, a Forbes 30 under 30 nominee. Yeah. Didn't really have a reason why. I just thought it would be cool. You know what I mean? Totally. And uh, so as I was trying to research, you know, how do you get on that? How do you earn that? Da, 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 da. I learned that there was something kind of even higher than that called the Forbes councils, which is basically, I learned what it was just a year ago. I had no idea, but basically huh. what it is, is it's a, they call it an invite only community for executives or entrepreneurs. And so what, what Forbes does is they create this community for executives, entrepreneurs, anybody who's kind of making waves in whatever industry they're in. Yeah. And they give them a ton of different tools to help them succeed and give you, you know, instant access to a bunch of Forbes personnel. I can be a contributor on Forbes.com. And then we get just introductions to network, you know, anyone else who's on the council. So it's kind yeah. of like a more, more than anything, it's more of like a networking tool yeah. at this point. You yeah. know what I mean? But yeah, that's lit. It's not bad. That's cool. Yeah. How did you even like, how do you even do that? Like, what did I, you great pray hard? So I mean, it's invite only. So I just got a call from Forbes one day and they asked if I would, because basically they want people, when you become a member of that, they want you to contribute. So I think I've been featured like 10 or 12 times on Forbes.com for articles and things like that. So they'll like launch these expert panel type of forums. And so one of the things that, like I'm sure a lot of people could be on them that would want to be, but if they don't want to put in that time to contribute, they don't. They don't really get to be on. You know so what I mean? are so, you like writing articles? Are you analyzing things? It's a great question. What is, what is it you do? With All that? of the above. Yeah. So I I can publish articles on Forbes by myself if I want to, right. or a lot of really? times what I do is if 
So Forbes will come to me and they'll say, hey, we're going to interview a bunch of people about this, this or that. Can you please give your two cents about this topic? Or, hey, our readers are asking this question a lot. Can you give expertise on this? So that's a lot of what I do, too, is Forbes will give me questions like Q&A and I'll have to sit down and answer them. So oh, cool. yeah, very cool. Bad. Very cool. Um, OK, so I guess jumping back in time just a little bit. It sounds like for the most part what I can assume from what I know of you and then obviously just what you're saying, it sounds like for the most part growing up you wanted to do business entrepreneurship stuff or did that just like happen? It's a great question. I know you were chasing sports at one point. So is it like where did all that come into play in your like childhood? Yeah, so during college I just couldn't stay healthy, right? I kept bouncing around from team to team like you and I were talking about earlier, like Mm -hmm. just couldn't stay healthy. Tore my ankles up with ligaments just completely wrecked, broke yeah. my ribs, tore my ACL, like the you name it. The worst. So because I couldn't end up playing like I wanted to in college, just was always injured, thought I wanted to coach. Like that was, right? Because the dream when I was five, so five-year-old Brennan was like, I'm going to the league. Oh, right? of I'm course. playing in the NBA. Of course. Just as every kid, right? That Same was, as you That probably, was the right? dream up until like a year you? ago. 6'1". There you go. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Hard over height. Hard and then you high. realize like a 6'1 white guy, <laughs> the odds are really low. So then it then it shifted to like, okay, maybe I'll play overseas, right? Yeah. And then couldn't stay healthy. So then it was like, okay, third tier, I'm going to coach. Hmm. So ever since I was a kid, I thought, you know, great backup career plan would be coaching. Yeah. So my last year at UVU, I did like a whole entire year with the coaching staff there with the basketball oh, cool. team and realized through that year that it's like – it's not for me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I started to stop loving basketball, which was like major red flag. Like I didn't want to watch the NBA. I didn't want to go to games. And that's oh, like what yeah. I really love to do. And so I was a senior at that point, right? And mm-hmm. so like my whole plan was to either play or coach the whole life, right? So business wasn't even anything that at that time I thought I was going to do until my senior year where it was like, you know what? Like I would love to do something with sports still or I'd love to work with athletes, but – it's not going to be coaching, right? Yeah. Maybe high school one day, but definitely not college. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So I actually started talking to anyone and everyone that I could find that was in my network. So people I knew, my parents' friends, whoever I thought was successful, I wanted to talk to them, pick their brain, see what they did, see mm-hmm. how much money they made, see if they liked their careers or, or whatnot, right? Yeah. And so that's kind of how I started. And then through that process, I met this guy, and uh, he asked me if I want to go golfing with him. And I was like, yeah, sure. And I was like, freaking suck at golf. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's always go. It's yeah. always go. So and I was suck like, at golf. I learned, I learned early, like, dang, I'm about to get good at golf because if this is a norm, like, we're in trouble. Yeah. So I was yeah. golfing with him, and he was actually a financial planner type of career, right? Mm-hmm. And he managed people's investments. I've done that. Yeah. That's true. So um, I thought for, like, a hot second maybe I would do something like that. So I went to, like, get to know him on the golf course, and we're on hole, like, six or seven. And he was like, hey, um what are you doing after you graduate? Because mm. I was a senior. I was graduating like two weeks. And I was like, I have no idea. And I was like, trying <laughs> to figure that out right now, right? That's why, that's why we're here golfing, right? Yep, yep. And he's like, have you, ever, have you ever played Madden? And I was like, <laughs> dang, bro. Like, I didn't know how to answer that. It's like, is this the opera? Is, is this, do I look stupid if I say yes? Like, <laughs> All the time. The, is he the type of guy who's like going to judge me if I played games? Like, yeah, I'm gonna, he's, he's an e-boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Screaming I was like, you know, I just contemplated for a whole five seconds. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I've played Madden. You know, my brother and I played it growing up. He's like, oh, cool. Have you ever played Madden in 2005? I'm like, dang, bro, I'm going to look like a real geek to this guy. I was like, yeah, Ray Lewis is on the cover. He's like, yeah, exactly. 100%. And I was like, what? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, my brother made Madden. He was the EA sports guy who built 
Madden and NASCAR and no NBA way. Live. And I was like, oh, wow. really? He's like, yeah, he was the head art director, created all that stuff. And I was like, oh, that's sick. And I was like, didn't know where he was going. He's like, we're launching a company right now. You should come work with, work with us. And I was like, Yo. what are you doing? And so what's interesting is, you know, he told me they're launching this new sports app. They had like five employees. And he was saying, we want you to come and help manage some pro athletes. And I was like, pro athletes? He's like, <laughs> what are you talking about? Manage He's like, them? yeah, Ray Lewis, actually. That's why I brought him up. He's coming to the office tomorrow. No I'm way. like, in Utah? Ray Lewis is not, like, I've only lived there a couple of years. But I was like, Ray Lewis is not coming to Utah, bro. <laughs> What's no, he got in Utah? There's no way. Yeah. And so, but it was, as he was talking, like, I just felt, God, tell me, like, this is where you're supposed to be. Mm. So for me, to answer your question long form, like, Took a little bit of effort, right? Talked to yeah. a lot of different people, but it was kind of in that action of trying to seek clarity for me, what like what I was supposed to be doing. Yeah. Then I got to answer like this, where you're supposed to be. So sure enough, I was like, in that moment, I like felt the spirit, right? So I was like, I'm supposed to be there. Yeah. So I told him, I was like, all right, I'm in. I was a college graduate and they paid me 12 bucks an hour. Oh, that was yeah. it. That's all they had money for. But sure enough, I show up to the office the next day, which was in South Jordan and Ray Lewis was sitting there. Yo. So I met Ray Lewis the second day in. I was like, oh, this is for real. It's like, this, this is lit. Is, yeah. 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 So oh, that's wow. kind of how I shifted from sports dreams to business. But still, still had some sports to yeah, it. Yeah, you know? kind of mixture yeah. to it. And Ray Lewis at the time was like the GOAT. Yeah, like, dude. He was, And he was so big. And he's my little brother's favorite player. Yeah. So yeah. I remember I was so skeptical. But I was like, my little brother's name is Bri. So I was like, just in case I meet him. Like, in case... That's even possible. I might bring a football. So sure enough, like, and no at this way. point in my life, it sounds cheesy, but at this point in my life, like, I hadn't worked with a lot of pro athletes yet. Yeah. So like, didn't really, never really had exposure to them. The only exposure I ever had was probably like most people, like you want an autograph growing up or something. Yep. yep. Right. You watch them on TV, but I didn't know anybody. Yeah. Mm. We weren't connected. So I brought a ball to get it signed for my brother and Ray Lewis was like sitting there and I was like, hey, can you sign this? He's like, yeah, sure. Dope. Signs it for my brother. And then I was like, hey, can I get a picture? Because I was the only thought I had was I'm going to send this to my brother. He's not going to believe this, yeah, right? Yeah. So Ray Lewis puts his arm on my shoulder, and he just looks down at me. And he's just – I'll show you a picture later. He's so big. Huge. Like, Huge just, individual. How tall is he? He's about well, our height. He's probably 6'3". But, but, like, wow. but like at, that, at that time, oh I was probably, like, 190 pounds but, like, solid. Mm. And he was, like, three of me width-wise. <laughs> Holy crap. Yeah, and I was just like – Dude, I mean, I played receiver in high school. Yeah, yeah. I was like, if I caught a slant and that guy was, I would just fall down. Or I'd give him the ball, bro. <laughs> Not happening. Yeah, that's a but big human. But he put his arm around my shoulder. He's like, bro, why are you shaking? And I was like, I'm so embarrassed, dude. <laughs> yeah, so, so yeah. So it's been uphill since then. Yeah. And drilling so hard. Yeah. No, listen, I've anticipated the day if I if I ever get to meet LeBron James, yeah. I've already anticipated how I'm going to act. But I just wear a diaper. But well, yeah, I just know that when I see him in the moment, like all that thought beforehand it goes away yeah, you're, screwed. <laughs> you're like oh crap yeah. this is real yeah, yeah which is so funny yeah and so from there was it like i don't know because obviously throughout your career you've met other athletes and yep. you've worked with other professional athletes um does it get to the point where you kind of realize like you know these are just people with exceptional abilities <laughs> yeah yeah the exceptional ability part is real though <laughs> very much yeah, very, very talented, much. can jump really high run real fast <laughs> but um no i i mean when i was at that company i started to get to know a lot of pro athletes like ray was the first one and then i don't know you guys might be too young but there's a boxer called evander holyfield mm. remember him i know him, him from highlights yeah yeah so mike tyson's the one who bit off his ear yep so yep. he's really big boxer so i met him and i started to meet more pro athletes and for the first few i was more of like trying to play it cool like I don't want to come across as a fanboy so I'm mm. not going to really you know ask him too many personal questions or anything like that but as I 
during that two the two years that I was there after college, I started to get to know more and more and more athletes. Yeah. And as I got to know them, just like you said, I'm like, bro, these guys are like real people, you yeah. know. But it's funny because you grow up and you see them on TV. They're not, you know, portrayed as normal everyday like yeah. people. Gods, really. Yeah. And so the more I spent time with them, and I'm, I've met a lot of guys. I've never met LeBron, mm. but I've sat down and met guys like Steph Curry and like yeah. other big, big names. Um, like went to church with Manny Pacquiao one time just for fun. Like, no so yeah, we like as I got to know a lot of these guys, I started to realize like they're a lot more like me than I realized. Like yeah. they care about their faith, they care about their family, and they just happen to be ridiculously good at sports, right? Yeah. Yep. And I think that that's that was part of the inspiration for me starting the Athletes Corner was I identified like growing up as a kid, I don't know, I don't even know if they still had it when you guys were growing up, but it was called Sports Illustrated for Kids. Mm. It was like this magazine where Sports Illustrated, like once a month, did a kid feature. Yeah. And I always remember, like, they had Vince Carter, and he said his, they would go through, like, what Vince Carter liked and his favorite snacks and all <laughs> these things. Yeah. And as a kid, like, as I reflected on that, as I got to know the Vince Carters, right? And right. I was like, bro, like, the only thing I know about this guy, other than his 50-inch vertical, is that his favorite cookie is, like, famous Amos cookie. And I, <laughs> I learned that in a magazine when I was a kid, That's you know? Awesome. Yeah. And yeah. so as I got to know these guys, and you sit there, and, like, even Steph Curry, like, one of the most real personable dudes you've ever i mean just like you guys sit down super friendly yeah. super normal not conceited right and as you get to know those guys i remember thinking i wish when i was a kid i could have seen this side of sports right i was a big yeah. kobe fan and like i would have loved to know what kobe was like really behind the scenes because i think we got a glimpse of that as he retired, he retired and, and started was coming out the girl dad right yeah. and you yeah. see all this stuff and so that was one of the reasons is that as I sat down with Manny Pacquiao and Evander Holyfield and all these guys, right? I met Kevin Kevin Garnett too. Like yeah. you meet all these guys and they're so nice behind the scenes. That was my vision for creating a platform or an organization that could broadcast that. Like I wanted to show what I didn't have as a kid, which yeah. was the faith-based, you know, focus that athletes had or the family focus oh. athletes had. Yeah. And that was kind of like to answer your question, that's what kind of sparked me to the next venture, if that makes sense. Yeah. And so at that company that you were just working at, and then I'll tie in with what everything you were just saying. That company that you were just working at with Ray Lewis and that stuff, what exactly were they doing? So that was that was the first company I joined out of college, and it yeah. was a sports app. So basically, we were the first company that ever created the technology to predict live sports oh, as yeah. they were happening in real time. Oh, so okay. you think of like fantasy football or something where you can basically cast your bets and then you watch the game and see if you got it see right what happens we were the first company to ever create the technology where like as a game was going on in real time yeah. you could say i think that steph curry will hit a three on this next you know what i mean like yeah it was real time hmm. but it wasn't betting right it was more of like for fun and arcade style if that makes sense yeah. yeah but the whole notion was is we wanted pro athletes that were either current or retired to play the game with the fans because we had like a social chat and so fans loved getting in there and chatting with Ray Lewis while they mm. predicted what would happen in a Ravens game, yeah. right? So okay. the problem was is we were like a couple years too early for the tech, right? Like it was really hard for us to get the to get it all working. Yeah, just, just be slow early. and just yeah. yeah, not enough speed. Yeah, but I mean credit to the founder is super innovative. Totally. But yeah. So oh, okay. Dang, okay. That's what it was. Sweet. And so then that leads in to meeting all these people, understanding yep. that, and then the athletes' corner comes into play. Yeah. Um, and just a quick run through, I guess, for everybody, the athletes' corner in general. I mean, you kind of summed it up, but if you could sum it up yeah. again, just what exactly it is. Yeah. So it was co-founded by a former NBA player, right? Because I knew in order for this to be successful, like no offense to us six-one <laughs> white guys, right? But like, if I wasn't a pro athlete, I didn't have that platform of influence, right? Yeah. I wasn't a, a college coach or a pro coach. So I didn't have the natural network that you would need to create something that would really succeed 
like in mainstream sports media, right? And you right. had your big players. You had ESPN, the Players Tribune, you know, Bleacher Report. Yeah. But if you really looked, I mean, those are like mammoth-sized organizations, Huge. and it's so hard to compete with them. So what I did is while like trying to obviously figure out what I needed to create to succeed, mm. you start identifying patterns of like, here's what Bleacher Report's doing really well. And at that time, it was the graphics, right? Their graphics were like so much different than ESPN's. Everyone loved their graphics. Yeah. And so I identified, that's just one example, but I identified like Players Tribune. They had first person content from athletes. And I was like, that's really, that's creative. Nobody's ever done that like that before. You know what I mean? Right. And so I just identified, you know, what these different organizations were doing to succeed because I knew in order for us to compete with them, we had to approach it with that level of discipline. Mm. And then I also had to have a co-founder that was a pro athlete. So yeah. Um, yeah. my co-founder played in the NBA for six or seven years and he's the current broadcaster for the Golden State Warriors still to this oh. day. So that was kind of a great, um, I remember. I still remember pitching to him. I said, hey, I wanna create this platform that's faith-based for athletes, um, not denomination focused at all, just, just on Jesus, right? Like yeah. faith-based, yeah. family focused, are you in? And he's like, dude, I'll never forget. He's like, bro, we've been talking about this in locker rooms for 10 years. No way. Yeah. He goes, this is going to be huge. And it's like, okay, cool. Let's run with it. So then literally from there, I started calling all the athletes I knew like big name, like Adrian Peters, like big names. Yeah. And I was like, Hey, we're going to create this faith-based platform for pro athletes to share content. That's what it started as Mm -hmm. just going to create content that's faith-based. Right. And so everyone was like, bro, this would be awesome. Like we've been waiting for something like this. And so the athletes corner right now has kind of evolved. We launched it two years ago in COVID in April. Mm. And uh, basically we have two arms to it. We have like a media platform and then we have a traditional like philanthropy arm, if that makes sense. We call it like yeah. a, for us, it's like a Matthew 25 focus, which is basically all about helping the least of these, right? Mm-hmm. So if you read that verse, it talks about helping the least of these, right? Yeah. And, um, and essentially that's what we've done is we've created these two verticals and essentially Long story short, we've become, it's kind of crazy now, but we're the world's largest organization that works with pro athletes in a faith-based way, right? Oh, so, really? yeah, it's, it's huge. We have, I think it's 70 something thousand followers on Instagram. We yeah. got verified. Yeah. We're followed by pretty much everyone you watch on TV, which is yeah. humbling, right? It's crazy to see how far it's come in just two years. Totally. And then the kind of the Matthew 25 side where we, that more traditional philanthropy where, cause Matthew 25, he talks about like feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, right? Those types of things. For us, we're like, okay, how do we take a step back and then use that concept of feeding people, for example, and then doing something disruptive nobody's ever done before? Because that's the only way you're gonna you're gonna compete right. with ESPN or yeah. Bleacher Report or anybody like that, yeah. right? Yeah. And so we created this this concept called the Athletes Corner versus Hunger. I know, super creative name, but the point is, <laughs> is we basically link the meal donations to the on-field or on court performance of the athletes we partner with or the teams. Mm-hmm. So then we started like pitching players. Like I sat there with Julie Ertz on a soccer field and we're like, hey, what if we did meals at the Olympics with you? Or what if we, like for every goal that Team USA scores, we donate meals. Boom, mm-hmm. she's in. Then yeah, we've I've seen things like that. Yeah, so we've done, so that all came from us. So we're the first ones to ever do anything like that. And we've now done it with Zach Ertz and the Eagles yeah. and the Cardinals. We did Julie Ertz and Team USA for the Olympics oh. last year in Tokyo. Yeah. We've done the Warriors twice, the Detroit Lions, the Saints, and the Golden State Warriors. I think I said that already, twice. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, so it's just been crazy because we've essentially now established ourselves as the go-to place for any athlete who's faith-based. Yeah. They know that the athlete's corner is gonna do whatever it is they want them to wanna do, like whether yeah. it's creating content, whether it's doing something like giving clothes to people who need it or food or whatever it is. So now it's just kind of just literally 
This is like rolling a snowball off a mountain. <laughs> like we rolled it off one day, and then I remember we launched the Athletes Corner just on Instagram, right? It was so low key. Right. Two weeks later, we were featured in Forbes. Yeah. And it just grew that fast. So I think that's a testament to like the research we did beforehand to know what the market was going to need. Yeah. And then making sure that our idea matched that. And then obviously like a ton of divine inspiration. You know totally. what I mean? Like that totally. was definitely the catalyst for it all. So, totally. Yeah. So my question, that's super dope, by the way. That's yeah, nuts. The hype stuff. Um, my question with all of it to try and kind of tie you into it, I guess I would ask kind of your why. Like what was the purpose? Great why question. did you want to do it? Why did you, you know, faith-based sports that's kind of that can be a narrow funnel narrow of people yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. um because you know not, not everybody profitable from the outside no that's why we are a non-profit <laughs> 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 no really we are because the other thing too with that like yeah. in all honesty athletes i realized really early like i was not going to make money with the athletes corner on purpose because when you start talking about faith and family people don't want you to monetize that right, no. right. they want to be able to speak openly and feel like they're helping people yeah. right and that's where so that's getting to your answer right mm. our whole reason for creating the athletes corner was not to make money i don't even take a salary so we have this giant media platform we have all we've fed i think 5 million families in the last 2 years and i've never even taken 10 dollars from it right mm. because it goes back to the why of why we're doing it which is it's not to make money it's to truly help people and hopefully through our efforts, turn people back to God, yeah. right? So kind of mm. the why. So when I was, I mean, I grew up, right? Family believed in God and everything like that. But when I was 17, so fast forward a bunch of years, right? Always went to church growing up, all that stuff. Mm. When I was 17, I was actually a bigger football player than I was basketball. So mm. I thought my ticket out was going to be college football. I was a receiver, kick returner, DB. And mm. that was like, I loved basketball more, but I was better at football, yeah. right? So it was one yeah, of those types of things. So... When I was a senior, though, I remember I uh, I ran a slant. We talked about this earlier, but I ran a slant across the middle, caught a ball, and just, like, decked this guy. And he decked me back. And uh, I was like, dang, that freaking hurt, dude. So you, <laughs> you get up, right, and you go, and I try to run the next play. I'm like, dude, my leg is killing me. Yeah. And this happened right before halftime. So we go into halftime. They give me painkillers and warm my leg up, and I go out and play the rest of the game, right? After the game, I was like, uh, I need to go get x-rays or something. Like, Jeez. my leg is completely <laughs> screwed. And so we go to get x-rays, and the x-ray technician was like, hey, um, like, do you – they didn't know where I – like, what I did. They're like, do you, like, play football or something or wrestle? And I was yeah. like, yeah, I do. Huh. I was like, why? And you know, I, was, I thought it was because, like, why do I, do I look like that? <laughs> I, I mean. And the, the x-ray tech just probably knows nothing about sports. And she's like, oh, you have a fractured femur. Oh. I was like, oh, that's why it hurts so bad. That's a, that's a big bone. <laughs> yeah. Yes, <laughs> the yes, biggest yes, of big the bones, bone. in fact. But it wasn't, it wasn't fractured enough to, like, keep me from walking or anything. Yeah. But it's kind of a weird story because, you know, you're, as an athlete, you know, you're like, dang, like, I'm a senior. I was three games in. Totally. And so um, they're like, hey, let's run an MRI or a CAT scan. I can't remember what it's. I think it's CAT scan. But, like, right. let's just run. Donut. Make sure that we have all the imaging done, right? And I was like, okay, cool. So they run all the imaging, and it comes back that I have a five-inch tumor on my leg. No way. Yeah, and it's attached to the bone, and so not a good thing, right? And I didn't know the how they classify all that stuff at that time. So they have benign, which I think means it's not cancerous, right? right. I think that's what yeah. that means, right? Yeah. And then they have active, which means it's cancerous. And mm. so I didn't know that at the time. And so they're like, yeah, it's a five-inch tumor, and it's active. And I was like, I don't know what that means, right? So my oh, parent, So then I get told that that probably means you have cancer, right? So I remember I was like, you've got to be kidding me. 
you know, mm. I thought this was just a little little setback with a little frack. You know, I'll be fine. Right? Yeah. Put me back in, coach. <laughs> Couple and then, it, like, life hits you real quick, like, as far as perspective. Because yeah. we – so I grew up in Washington State, and the biggest hospital is, like, two and a half hours away. It was in Spokane. So mm. we were driving – so fast forward, right? So then my parents and I, we have to schedule an appointment with, like, the cancer specialist or however, however that works, right? And so we have a two-and-a-half-hour drive. And I remember on that drive, I remember reflecting – on like my priorities with life hmm. and growing up like ball is life right that was me of course it was mainly basketball but football too like i loved playing i loved watching uh-huh. right my dream was to play that's all i ever wanted to do and i always felt like i i was a good kid growing up i didn't like screw around or anything like it wasn't like crazy but what as i was driving in that that car that day i was reflecting on like is god my number one priority or is basketball or football Hmm. and big question yeah it's a big question especially like i feel like at that age it was something i'd never really 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 thought about yeah. you know you, yeah. you think about it at the surface but it was like yeah i read my scriptures i go to church mm. you know like i'm doing good you yeah. know what i mean go to seminary like i was a good kid <laughs> but like in my heart it was like but ball is life though you know like, that's, <laughs> that's real talk i wake up i'm yeah, all i sleep yeah, exactly and yeah I remember just thinking a lot and praying on that on that car ride to the the doctor. I remember thinking like, man, I really, 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 really don't want to go down this path of like chemo and radiation and like mm. I didn't want that to be my life. You know what I mean? I wanted to play, and I knew that going down that route was probably going to make that very unlikely. You yeah. know what I mean? But I remember thinking, and I remember telling God that day. I, was, I remember praying. It was just silent prayer, right? I remember telling God, I was like, hey, like, I would love to just be a normal kid if mm. that's the alternative. You know what I mean? Like, I don't need to, I don't need to play. I don't need to play pro. I don't need to play college. Like, I would love to just be normal. And I said, basically, like, I would love that if that's possible. Mm. You know, I understand if it's not, like, it's not always your will, right? But if it's possible, I would really love you to do a miracle for me right now. And then I basically said, no matter what happens, though, if if something happens and you can heal my leg real quick or or you can't, I'll put you first no matter what. Because that was kind of like that perspective for me, like, I need to put God first no matter what happens. Because yeah. as you start, something happens like that in your life, you're like, you just start evaluating everything, right? Relationships, mm. spirituality, and different things. And I remember thinking, no matter what happens from here, God is my number one priority. And that's kind of how I concluded that prayer was like, hey, no matter what happens, you're, you're number one for me going forward. And so as I concluded that prayer, I just felt so much peace. And I was like, cool, I'm going to be all right. No matter what happens, like, I'll be all right. We get to the, the cancer screening doctor, and they run, they run tests. And long story short, they come back after all of that, and they're like, yeah, it's gone. No way. Yeah. Crazy. And, and like the tumor's just pieced. Basically, they're like, it looks like you fractured your leg at one point, and it healed. Huh. Which obviously a fracture can't heal in a week either, yeah. right? And so they're like, there's no trace of cancer. You're totally good to go. And so <laughs> since <laughs> since that day, like yeah. literally everything, and obviously nobody's perfect, right? I'm not perfect. But since yeah. that day, I've always tried to figure out like, okay, what can I do to put him first? Yeah. And I think part of that was as I was at that initial company, right? I've always had sports on the forefront of my mind. I've always kind of been an entrepreneur at heart. Yeah. And I feel like one of the things that I realized early on was, I had developed all these relationships with athletes mm. and your first instinct always is like, how do I monetize that? Should right. I launch a clothing line? Should I do X, <laughs> Y, and Z? Like, how do I make money? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then I remember thinking like, you know what? 
God probably gave me these relationships for a reason, mm. and I need to be prayerful about what to do with them. And that's what landed on the athlete's corner was the why was I feel like it was my responsibility to take those relationships and truly put him first yeah. by creating something that then all the athletes could put him first, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Well, I mean, athletes are role models at the end of the day. Yeah. They're idols for a lot of people, whether or not yeah. it's a good thing. Yeah, good or bad, right? And a lot of the time it's bad, in my opinion. But <laughs> yeah. I think mm. it's great with this. Like, A lot of people are able to see the opportunity and like how they relate to God. And they'd be like, yeah. oh, my favorite athlete yeah. actually has a relationship with God. I should probably look into it, or yeah. I should do something like that. I was just talking to Austin about this. Like, it's super mm. important. So that's super cool that they're, I mean, they have that opportunity, right? Yeah, it's been it's been actually crazy to see. We've had so many athletes during the last two years like reach out to us, and they're athletes that you watch on Sundays, right? If it's the NFL, or you watch on weekdays if it's the NBA or whatever mm-hmm. it is, right? Yeah. And you would have never thought that that person believed in God or believed in Christ. And now that we've created this platform, and they've seen so many of their peers sharing their testimonies or sharing what they believe, it's then inspired them to figure out what they believe. And then they, once they have that testimony for themselves, they share it as well. And like one of the biggest examples is Jalen Ramsey. So I'll never forget, we were following Jalen Ramsey and I've, it was probably like a year and a half ago, he DM'd me on Instagram. Mm. And that was like a normal thing. Like we get big name athletes that just reach out to us now. And you fast forward and like watching how much he shares his faith now. And like Jalen Ramsey has a reputation. Right. And good or bad, that's the way he plays the game. But it's been interesting because off the field, you get to you get to know a little bit about what makes him really tick. And, you know, he loves his daughters, but like he loves the Lord and he's trying. And I think that's the biggest thing I've seen with athletes is it's been cool to try and give them a platform where what used to be and still kind of is like a taboo topic in sports. Like you'll still see to this day, ESPN, CBS, they will take it out. If somebody thanks God in a post-game interview, they'll take it out yeah, and yeah. then we'll post it, right? <laughs> and I think what's been interesting is as athletes have started to realize that it's okay hmm. to express yeah, themselves. express your faith and express what they believe in, it's been awesome to see how many athletes have come to the Lord in that process as well. Yeah. So, And then they're like actually able to feel, yeah, just feel comfortable with it and then realize, I don't know, it, it does a lot because it shows that there's just a lot more to these people behind the scenes than what we see. Totally, dude. Totally. Because um, as a world, I mean, we like, unfortunately, the world likes controversial things, and we like things that, you know, bring anger or are more, like, dramatic. But when it comes Views. to, yeah. yeah, exactly, when it comes to, like, God, love, when it comes to, like, real things, we kind of set that aside, unfortunately. Um, what I wanted to touch up on with all of that was just, it's really cool to see that you have that perspective and how it all started with technically a tragic event where it's like you had, you know, your femur crack, which isn't fun. Um, I can imagine. I mean, not that it's happened to me, you know, it's not a, (laughs) but uh, you're like sick, broke my femur. It felt so good. Um, But to have your femur injured and then as well, just the fear of like, oh, by the way, this is probably cancerous. (laughs) It's just like, oh, gee, on paper, I love looking at things when it's like they go against what you think would happen. Um, and in this case, obviously, because of just the inspiration of, of God and just this new direction that you took, on paper, it's like he hurt himself. He's probably going to get down in the dumps. And when you're asking those questions, I was actually kind of on the edge of my seat wondering. I was wondering if there was going to be like a downfall of Brennan when you were like having that question, okay, God or ball is life. You know, where is yeah. that? I was on the edge of my seat because I'm like, which path did you take, my yeah. man? I'm excited to see. <laughs> yeah. And just seeing that you were able to like rise to the occasion and say, no, I'm going to choose something better and I'm going to choose something higher. 
And from that tragic event, then all of these really awesome things were able to fall into place. And it's like really cool to see the way that God had taken this hard time for you, especially when you're young, when you're it's like 17, 18, yeah, when 17, it happened. Yeah. Like when you're young and hard things happen, it's a pain. And so to be able to see this hard thing happening, but then you were able to rise above it, God took that experience and now he's portrayed it to you through the athlete's corner, through these different things, and now to other athletes, which then goes to millions of kids and millions of followers and millions of Christ believers. Well, that's like what you said, Hayden. I mean, these, and something we realized too pretty early is like, my story can maybe impact a few lives, right? Is how I viewed it. Right. But if Steph Curry shares his story, it can impact millions for the better, right? right. Just like you said, you know, athletes are role models, but at the end of the day, that just depends on how they use their platforms. And so that was the whole thing is watching all these guys be able to change so many lives has been so rewarding, which is why, again, you just, you, you do it for that reason. You know what I mean? So Yeah, 100%. And I think you guys even having the, I don't know, everything that you said, even having Matthew 25 as the kind of the main thing, yeah. that ties in with all of that. Like, yeah. that's a big, big shout out to people listening. If you haven't listened or if you haven't read Matthew 25, go read it. <laughs> and learn some, learn some good things. But it kind of does plug into everything else. Um, and so it sounds like that moment for you was one that was kind of a really big pillar. Did you have any other moments or experiences that kind of led to, I guess, for example, let me touch up on this. You served a two-year mission. Correct. Um, remind me where? The most tropical place you could ever think of. Uh, uh, the, Ready? Hawaii. Yeah. Salt Lake City. Uh, <laughs> you know what? You're in Salt Lake? Serious, yeah. Just up the road, my yeah, boy. I think part of it was because of the whole tumor thing. I had to stay very close to yes. headquarters and all that jazz. So, yeah, okay. served in Salt Lake. Perfect. So, Literal, with yes. that. Literal. <laughs> tumor tumor thing happens. Did you go right after high school? No, I went to school at uh, BYU Hawaii my freshman year and right. then went on a mission. Okay, so with all of that going on, I guess it was a little bit before you were golfing with Homeboy. Yes, that was senior many year years college. Before. Okay, many years. So yeah. that decision to go on a mission um, and, and serve for two years was that something that played a huge role in the future? Um, and or was it hard at the time you go to a year of college and then you're like, I'm leaving my life, my career, my schooling behind to go for two years? How was that? I think that's a good question. I think it's all about perspective, right? Like for me, I had made that decision way earlier in life that I was going to go yeah. no matter what, right? Yeah. So then I kind of lived my life in accordance to that, right? So the going wasn't hard at all. But I, I would, and I've told many people this, like because I went, I feel like it has given me so many different avenues to succeed for the rest of my life and just different things mm. that I feel like the blessings that you get for serving God, no matter how that is, right? It just is tenfold on the, on the return, right? I feel like one of the, but to answer your question, there's another story that I'll share too, just mm. quickly. When I was on my mission, I tore my ACL, which I told you about earlier, right? Yeah. And it was towards the end of my mission. And again, I wanted to play ball, right? So, <laughs> so I, your ball's life, right? Still was. So, <laughs> at the, so it had been about three years since the previous situation had happened. And uh, I was at the end of my mission and we're playing soccer and I freaking suck at soccer. I was fast though. So I just somehow tore my ACL. I don't even know how, right? It's it, it. soccer. It's just, it, yeah. your legs do things you don't expect. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So. And I was at the end of my mission, and I was, like, really, like, passionate about finishing, right? I wanted to finish it. I'd already been out, I think, like, almost 20 months. So it was, like, over a, over a year and a half, right? I only had, like, yeah. five months left, four or five months left. And at the time, um, 
we were the only missionaries in the mission that had a car, right? So mm. I was like, hey, just let me recover. You know, I'll be fine, you know? And uh, <laughs> we'll just drive around, you know what I mean? And um, Elder Holland, because we're just here in Salt Lake, right? Elder Holland was, I guess, coming to speak to everybody like five days later. Yeah. And so I'd, I'd gone to a, a surgeon in Park City who did surgery on Tiger Woods, fun mm. fact. He mm -hmm. did his knee surgery. Oh, wow. And he was like, yeah, you're going to have to go home. We have to do surgery, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, dang, bro, that sucks, you know, because mm. that's somebody credible. And he's like, yeah, you're done. Yeah. You're, you're done for. Dang. And I remember Elder Holland was uh, coming like four days later. And I told my mission president at the time, I said, just give me four more days. Like, let me, he's coming. Let me hear him mm. talk and da, 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 da. So during that four days, something really crazy happened. Like I was reading in a church magazine or something about how apostles have priesthood authority. And uh, I remember thinking to myself, like, you know, I never really thought about it my whole life. Like, you know, you watch conference or you do things like that. And you, those are, in theory, right, supposed to be apostles the same way that Peter, right. James, and John were apostles. And I remember right. reading one of the articles I was reading that day was talking about how that same priesthood authority mm. that allowed them to perform all those miraculous miracles existed today on the earth. Mm. And so for whatever reason, I just was just really overcome by the Spirit that day and I just thought, Okay, well, if they can freaking part a Red Sea and move <laughs> mountains, like Elder Holland can heal my dumb knee, right? right like, you, you know, that, that was the thought process was like, it's got to be possible, mm -hmm. right? And so I remember praying, and this was, I remember thinking to myself for a few days because I'm like, that's like a really gutsy thing to pray for, right? Yeah, like, totally. that's, you have to really believe what you believe. Otherwise, you just think you're crazy yeah. you know, to yourself, you know what I mean? So over the next few days, I was like, do I really believe that that priesthood authority is real, you know what I mean? And uh, kind of remembered that earlier experience I shared, right? It was like, mm. okay, God has always been my number one priority. Like, I didn't doubt him then, mm. and look what happened. Like, I'm not going to doubt him now. Mm. And so I remember I said a prayer the day Elder Holland was coming to talk to us, and I said, okay, Heavenly Father, I believe that he's your apostle, which means that he has the same priesthood authority that they all had, right? Mm. And I would like to stay and finish my mission. If that's your will, please have him heal my leg today. I said, I'll ask him for a blessing. Like, I'll have the guts to do it. Mm. But, like, if I do it, I please heal my leg, right? And, and I said, but if it's not your will, I understand. You know mm. what I mean? So then fast forward, Elder Holland comes, and he's he's um, he's there, and he wants to meet everybody one by one. And uh, <laughs> you'd think, like, I like to think of myself as, like, really confident. And I think I am now. But, like, back then, I thought I was, right? I was like, <laughs> yeah. I'm not afraid to talk to anybody, right? Yeah. And then you get closer, and... I'm like, okay, how do I ask him? How do I tell him? How do I look <laughs> him in the eyes and say, you need to give me a blessing? You know what I mean? Like, it just doesn't even make sense. So we get closer and I just freaking chicken out. And I was like, this is awkward. And like, it yep. wasn't really natural. And so I didn't say anything. He just shook my hand. But then everyone, I would demonstrate, but I can't do that right now, obviously, with my broken hand here. Yep. But yep. as he shook everyone's hand one by one, it was like real brief, right? Like one second, boom, one second, boom. Yeah. I was yeah. the last person in line, right? And that was on purpose because I was like chickening out as the line was going and I kept moving farther back in line. You know <laughs> good what I mean? choice though, good choice. And though. so as as I as he finally got to the end, which was me, he shook my hand and went to let go and then grabbed it again. Mm. And then just stared at me for like five seconds. And I was like, Yeah, that was kind of intense. Yeah. And just like, you know, realized in that moment I, was, I just missed my opportunity. I told God I would do something and I didn't do it. Mm. So as I'm walking back to the pulpit or whatever, I 
I just had a quick prayer. I was like, hey, my bad. I chickened out, basically. <laughs> Sorry. And I was like, please don't, like, punish me for that, you know? <laughs> but I said, if if this is your will and he's your apostle, which I believe he is, and he has the authority to heal me, can you let him know? Mm. Mm. Kind of like just throwing it out there. Right. So Elder Holland gets up probably like 30 seconds later and just stops. And, like, everyone's silent. You know, nobody knows what he's really doing. Mm. He hasn't really said anything yet. He just stops. And like 30 to 45 seconds, which felt like 10 minutes, right? Yeah, yeah. Go by and he just goes, I feel very prompted by the Lord to give a blessing to someone as if I'm laying my hands on their head right now, but I'm doing it over the pulpit. And he goes, I bless you to be healed. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. No way. Dead serious. And then my knee was just like literally, it felt literally like it was on fire. No way. Yeah. And then long story short. My, you know, my companion elbowed me. He's like, did you hear that? I'm like, well, no crap. Sure. Like, <laughs> right? It's the only thing I heard. Yeah, yeah. It's like, what are you talking about? And um, then afterwards, I remember, and I, so, so pause, right? I feel like mm. a miracle, right? So I'm like convinced a miracle just happened. And I'm like, wow, like this is what happens when you put God first, right? It's like, yeah. just crazy things can happen depending on his will. You know what I mean? But then after that, I remember my mission president of all people looked me in the eyes and he's like, all right, well. You know, you're going to have to go home on this day. And I'm like, whoa, 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 I'm good. <laughs> yeah. Like, I just got healed. And he's like, ah, uh, you know, whatever he said, I can't remember. <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm being serious. Like, I'm good. You're like, I'm chilling. And he like, and this is not a knock on him, but he's like, you know, like, come on, man. You know? <laughs> and I remember, I was like, let me go back to the doctor. So we went back to the surgeon. And just like what happened four years previously, he's like, he went in to do a scope. And he's like, it was healed when I went in there. No way. Yeah, he's like, so I stitched you back up. He goes, I cleaned up a few things because, you know, old injuries. Right. He's like, but your ACL's good. No, no way. Yeah. And so, again, I felt like God was kind of, like, leading me down this path for a couple years, well, four or five years of my life because yeah. I felt like he was going to need me to come to bat for him later mm -hmm. and, again, have that type of blind trust where it's like I was trying to launch a media platform to compete with Bleacher Report that was about Jesus. Yeah. Nobody yeah. had ever done that before. And I think a lot of that it's it's and it's been it's been really crazy because like over the last two years that we launched it, there's been so many times where I just have inspiration from God to do something mm. or to post something or to create whatever it is for the athletes corner. And every single time it ends up being huge. And like I, I wish I could sit back and be like, Look at me, I'm this crazy entrepreneur, look what I built. It's now the biggest thing in the world. I'm so smart. Yeah, I'm so good. cool. Yeah. But in all seriousness, it's like I have literally felt sometimes like God be like God, trust me. God, trust me. And I feel like he almost was prepping me for that as I was growing up, right? And mm. before my mission, on my mission, because there's been so many times the last couple of years where, you know, I'm not intimidated by the Ray Lewis's anymore, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, you don't, not only do you not get shaky, but it's like, I feel like I am supposed to be there for them mm. because God is basically using the athlete's corner as that mouthpiece. Yeah. And because of that, there's just been so much reliance on, just the blind trust, you know what I mean? Which started with those experiences, you know what I mean? Yeah. Dang, that's insane. That's, that's like... Awesome. I can't even remember the initial question, but... I can't either. <laughs> I'm shook. Yeah. I'm dumbfounded. <laughs> um, th that was that was good enough, whatever it was. Um, Perfect. Whatever the question was, that was great. Uh, I, I think... I want to ask this uh, unique question to, with everything you just said. Cool. Um, so we have several listeners who aren't necessarily like faithful in the sense of, like, God and Jesus Christ. Cool. I assume with the Athlete's Corner, you still get those same people 100%. who, like, are, like, like the message you guys are portraying, especially with families. Yeah. I know a lot of people who don't believe in God, oftentimes they're, like, very family-oriented because yeah. that's where they kind of find their yeah. love no and doubt. support. 
Um, what what is your message to them along those same lines? For example, that experience to you happens, and and it's obviously all, all contributed to the man above. Yeah. Um, for people in the athletes' corner that don't necessarily believe in God, what is your message to them? Is it like uh, come it's and a, see, or is it? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, I think the whole strategy from the very beginning is we wanted, and I feel like this was divine inspiration. We wanted right. everyone to feel like they could come mm-hmm. to the athletes' corner in whatever way, whether it was our media content or whether it was you know, donating the meals. Right. And so we're obviously faith-based, but also family-focused because we're very focused on trying to make sure that fathers understand the role that they should be playing for their kids, right? Or mothers. Mm-hmm. And, and all of that stuff is really important to us. Now, for us at the Athletes' Corner, we believe that that's a very God-driven thing. Yeah. But our goal is basically just to almost live that out by our actions and what we provide. Mm-hmm. And then when people... If and when they're ready to learn more about God, we get DMs every single week with people asking questions. They're like, hey, like, I don't know anything about God. Can you da-da-da-da? Yeah. And it's because they liked Jalen Ramsey on the field, didn't know that Jalen Ramsey believed in God, saw he believed in God, or saw that he cared about his daughters or something like right, that. Right. And our goal is just to basically be there when, when and if they're ready to talk. Yeah. You know what I mean? So does that make sense? Yeah. So to ultimately build kind of moral beliefs Correct. back into the, yep. the system. Yep. pretty much, which I think is awesome. Yeah, um, You touched up on fathers and stuff. That's a big thing me and Hayden want to get into eventually <laughs> is helping. Yeah. I think I think that's one of the hugest problems in the oh, world. Oh, I thought, I thought you just... were saying you wanted to become fathers. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, that too, for sure, for sure. Just restoring the family. But, but yeah, yeah, just restoring. it's super important. Yeah, I agree. And that's one of the things we're doing, right? I mean, it's uh, we're trying new things all the time to figure out the best way to use athletes' platforms to do that yeah. because I feel like some people are ready to talk Jesus minute number one, right? Right. Others are not, and others instead are trying to figure out how do, how do I become a better dad? Yeah. How do I become a better husband? Or how do I become right. a better wife or mother or, or child or whatever it is, brother, uncle, aunt, you know what I mean? Mm. And I feel like if you really believe in God, you know that he cares about the family more than anything, right? right. And so I think that we're trying to use those positive you know, morales to then just kind of be a light in any way that we possibly can. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, I 100% am a believer of, like, there's that awesome quote where it's like, share the gospel, and when necessary, use words. I think when you show, ultimately, like, moral goodness, people are drawn to it, whether they believe in God or not, or they're just kind of searching. Yeah. Um, when, you, when you do moral, morally good actions, people are drawn to it, and over time, it leads them to believing into something. Yep. Um, whether it's a higher power or whether it's God himself or whether it's just themselves, I don't know, but it leads people to just naturally do more without having to make anybody, like you said, people come to it differently. And so without making anybody feel pressured, without making anybody feel like this obligation, because some people can feel that at times, um, but it's just a natural, we flow towards that. And yeah. having athletes as kind of the front runner of that is huge. I mean, yeah, huge, 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 because you don't see it anywhere. Yep, true. So Athletes Corner, that, I don't know, that's just super cool the way that it's portraying that message. Agreed. No, you, you better agree. I mean, it's, 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 it's a very unique niche that you've discovered, Yeah. and it's working. Yeah. And honestly, as you said, like it, it's definitely inspirational that, that it's come to pass, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. I guess a question that I had would be, what would be your message, I guess, to the listeners – kind of on behalf of the athletes that you've interviewed and kind of been posting for, and just from your own personal life, what would be your 
kind of message for them to keep going, to, to share, to believe? What is your kind of life must go on message to them? Yeah, I think, you know, I think all of us have unique trials. I think most of the trials each of us have individually, nobody knows about. And, you know, even some of the stories I just shared with you guys, I think I've told maybe 10 people my whole life some of those stories, right? Yeah. And I think that all of us have those, those struggles that we have internally. And I think whether you believe in God or not, or whether you feel like you have a great family relationship or not, I feel like it's, it's just good to know that others are also going through trials and hopefully collectively together, whether it's pro athletes or whether it's us, right? Anybody that's listening, yeah. I feel like as you start to realize that there's a community of people out there, whether you know them or not, that are going through trials that are probably usually worse than whatever you're going through, right? It's typically how that, yep. you, as you learn more about other people, mm -hmm. you're like, oh, wow, you have a way worse than I did, you know what <laughs> yep, I mean? Yep. And I feel like to the listeners, I feel like really to, to embody this life must go on concept, it really just stems from perspective, right? Like, so if you believe in God, it's knowing like what your identity is. And I think identity is just a true measure of like how you can really get through whatever you're going through, whatever you've been through, right? Like to right. really to really embody the life must go on thing, you have to understand, kind of like take a step back on like where this fits into to things, right? Things will get better. You know yeah. what I mean? Trials, they come and go. You know what I mean? And as bad as they seem in the moment, every single time at the end of the trial, God will bless you, right? And I think even, you know, God, you know, even if even if you don't believe in him, I think one of the beautiful things is he'll still bless you as you're going through trials, right? Mm -hmm. Or as you're coming out on the other side, you know, just he's always got your back, you know? So totally. I think that'd be my message is just really, truly seek to understand your identity and understanding kind of how that will play a role into whatever you're going through at that time. <laughs> That's amazing. I think the man above puts people on wavelengths. I think those things that you just touched up on are like, to me, the biggest what I've thought about for a long time, the biggest points of what would help people in the world today. And I think one of the main ones is identity, knowing who you are, what you believe, and, and what kind of things you stand for. Um, but then as well, understanding that like life has to go on and other people are doing it too, and you aren't alone in that yep. sense. Yeah. Um, and so if I could add to, to what you said, I think ultimately my... I'm getting a little lost in my thoughts here, but ultimately my thoughts to add to yours would just be at the end of the day, those experiences that we go through oftentimes are going to be for our benefit. And I think that both these experiences, these big experiences that you've shared with us both ended up being very much for your benefit. Yeah. And I'll add to that. I think yeah. that as I've reflected on a lot of stuff, the last six to 12 months, it's funny because when you're going through a trial, or when you're going through a phase in life, right? Mm. I have just realized as you take a step back, like everything kind of happens for a reason, right? It's cliche saying, yeah. but as you look back, like I wouldn't change how my life went at all. But in the moment, I would have been begging for that <laughs> stuff to change, yeah. right? Yeah. And I feel like that's, that's part of what you're saying, right? Is understanding that, okay, have some perspective in the moment, but then also I think reflecting on after you've kind of come on the other side of the trial, mm -hmm. really being able to go on with your life is also learning from that and understanding like, I got through it, right? Yeah. So whatever happens next, I'm gonna be okay, I'm gonna get through that too. You well, know it's what I mean? like the ability to look back at what you've been through and not walking back down the mountain, but yeah. to be proud of yourself, Yeah. right? I think that's one of the biggest faults we have is 
we're not proud of ourselves anymore. Mm-hmm. We don't get the same kind of compliments as we did before. And so I think, at least with what you're doing and everything, you're kind of putting your hand on their back, giving them the little shoulder rub. You're like, thanks for sharing what you're doing. Like, you're yeah. an awesome person inside and out. You're not just an athlete. Yeah. You're more than that. And I think mm-hmm. that's something that I've taken away from this conversation and for the listeners as well is, we're proud of you. We love you guys. Mm. You're doing great things. Like, yeah, life yeah. sucks a lot of the time. It's it's not fair, mm. right? I definitely understand that. <laughs> but life must go on. It, on. it honestly does. And like you were saying, you just have to have faith that it will. Yeah. Know that you're more than your body, and you can actually do more than you believe you can. It's mind over matter. 100%. 100%. Wiser words have not been spoken. Thank you, Hayden. You're welcome. <laughs> and Brennan, thank you. I think that is towards the end of our time here, so we should wrap up. But uh, for real, thank you for sharing a lot of those experiences. It's super cool. And I think a lot of people will take away a lot of good. Um, Amelia joined us today. Amelia, did you take away some good? She Heck sure yeah. did. So you see, we got one live listener that took That's away a good. Matters. So all the other ones were prepped up. Um, so I, I'm really excited to, to put this one out and uh, – Excited to see how the Athletes Corner keeps doing. Um, oh, we're going to need some merch for sure. Um, <laughs> we'll swap. We'll do a little swap action. But uh, all right. Well, Brennan, once again, thank you, my man. Anything else you have to say? No, I'm good. Dope. Sweet. Thanks for having me. Of course. All right, team. That's a wrap. Woo! <laughs>